podcast. Welcome back. I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. It was a super fun one to record with obviously the three-time guest, Pad, coming up. But before that, if you guys enjoyed this episode, have enjoyed previous episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could go and spend two minutes just to drop a review, whether that was on iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. If not, go and follow me at League Talk Show on Twitter to see some more updates and see some more podcasts coming out every week. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and we will catch you on the next one. Hello and welcome back to another episode of League Talk, the podcast all about management, coaching, performance and all things League of Legends. My name is AJ and on today's podcast we have a coach who has worked for many different teams but most recently working with Phelan Gaming and he is a three-time guest. So, Pad, welcome to the show. Thank you again so much for your time. Um, for those who haven't heard our previous episodes or haven't heard of yourself, um, why don't you give us a little introduction or reintroduction to all things about you? Okay, thank you AJ. Uh, I'm Pat. I am currently the head coach of uh, Feeland Gaming. Uh, when I'm not coaching, I'm studying to be a teacher. Uh, I've been coaching for two years straight now. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's me. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Did you say you're studying to be a teacher? Yeah. Oh, that's I one am. thing I didn't know. I did not know that. What is it a teacher for like secondary school, primary school? What's the. Uh, primary school, and then I'm. Um, probably going to go further. I mean, I, I want to combine the, the bachelor that I end up with with something esports related, so I'm not oh, just going to go into a primary school. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to for the esports world and, uh, and combine it with teaching. That sounds super interesting. Probably helps you a bunch with coaching as well, doesn't it? Uh, not like your uh, players are necessarily primary school students, but especially <laughs> with the, like, the art of teaching and art of coaching, because I think it's completely different to just sort of telling people things and do this, do that. I suppose that does help in some way, shape or form. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I use a lot of the tools that I learned from coaching in my teaching and, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, the pedagogical like uh, aspect of, of teaching is really easy to apply to the to the coaching in League of Legends and uh, like there's really insane synergy. So like the more I learn coaching, the better a teacher I become and the better a teacher I become, the better a coach I become. It's, it's really broken. <laughs> nice little life cycle there. I like that. <laughs> Very, very good. Because, as I said, you're, this is a, you're a third-time guest now, so I think you're the only person that's been on three times. I've had lots of people on twice, but never had someone on third time, so we've uh, we've made a little record there. But uh, the first podcast you came on, you were with Eminem as their head coach, which was, of course, a, a very successful split that uh, later saw you go to Spain to coach for, and I always get the name wrong. I think it was, it, do I pronounce it Existence? Is that right? Yep. Awesome. Perfect. Um, and then the the second podcast was basically a drafting 101. So one thing that you'd sort of picked up as uh, as a mantle, as a title when you were in the UK was uh, your talents with drafting. So you but you essentially helped the audience with some drafting techniques, some drafting theories, as well as sort of discussing when and why and when coaches should make decisions during the drafting phase. And believe it yeah. or not, the last podcast was, was released on the 27th of February. So coming up to seven months ago now, um, <laughs> which was a long old time. So essentially, I just wanted to sort of catch up. How's everything been going with you? Are there any sort of updates on yourself? Any coaching revelations? Any big changes in your life? Without going too much into detail about feeling, because that's a whole new topic that I really want to delve into. Um, <laughs> so yeah, how's everything been going? Uh, everything's been going really well. Um, yeah, last we talked, I was with Eminem. The Eminem period was uh, really good for me. Mm -hmm. I grew a lot as a coach, but it was also super stressful because I was uh, I was out teaching at the same time so I was basically working two full-time jobs wow. uh, and after Menem I went to to Spain which was really good don't think I've ever improved my game knowledge mm -hmm. as much as I did in Spain obviously 
the team was not very successful. Uh, there are many like many factors that 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 goes yeah. into that. Yeah. Um, but I think like overall, I I learned a lot, and a lot of the mistakes or things that I did not do well enough in in uh, existence, I really tried to apply going back into the UK league on Finland. Yeah. And was Existence, now in Spain they have a lot of team houses, was Existence one of the teams that had a team house? Uh, I mean, we had flats, right? Sure. So we had, but we had like two separate flats, so we didn't live together like the entire team. So mm. like doing stuff together in the off days were kind of rough sometimes. I mean, sure. it was, we had a gaming office where we went to every day, which oh, was okay. really good. Like yeah. it helped, it helped me create like a schedule for myself as like mm. doing first time, full time coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like the one thing that was uh, the most afraid of because I would basically have to do like a full-time working schedule for myself. So filling that out uh, was like a really good exercise uh, and really good like just for me going into a gaming house next time. I'll be really well prepared. Yeah, because gaming houses generally, I'm super glad actually that you guys had a gaming office rather than a gaming house for your sake. Because my opinion on gaming yeah. houses is that this is like an outdated thing now where people need this space to go away from work and, and why this model of a gaming house suddenly came into esports did has always confused me. Um, but yeah, that seems like a really good experience. Obviously in the UK, I think uh, Fnatic and XL, are, as far as I'm aware, the only teams that actually have a gaming office and flats and houses and things like that. It's obviously nice yep. to go and experience that in Spain, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that was the main goal, just getting there and, and trying that out, doing like proper full time and stuff like online. And yeah, I agree. Like having separate workspace and you know safe space is super crucial. Yeah, for sure, because that does lead really nicely into your time at Feelin. So, some people that listen to this podcast aren't necessarily aware of the UK scene for League of Legends. Uh, some people are. So, um, I wanted to chat about the previous sort of month or two for you at Feelin. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the UK scene, Pad has been working with one of the teams called Feelin Gaming. Um, for some background, Feelin, according to many tier lists, now, my opinion on tier lists are that they are a load of rubbish. There is no point and very rarely accurately or truly reflect absolutely anything. Um, so Feelin were expected to finish very low in the, the UK LC. But after a turbulent season, Feelin managed to reach playoffs uh, or the gauntlet. Uh, and once again, Feelin were doubted. Uh, and they were expected to drop out in the first round of playoffs. But to cut a really, really long story short, uh, when you joined Phelan, all of you guys managed to make an incredible run from the fifth round, uh, all the way to the fifth round, sorry, beating Enclave, Diablos, Demise, and then your former team, Eminem, as well. Then going on to play one of the two academy teams in the league, which was XL, uh, which is one of the sister teams for the LEC. Um, and of course, when XL fielded a team, uh, they had players such as Hyanan and Kasing, who were literally on the world stage, well, Hyanan, what, six to eight months ago, Kasing several years ago, and then Special, who'd been on the LEC with uh, Exile as well, who'd been in the LEC. So obviously, this is a, a huge team, a really, really big team, who's now done really well in EU Masters as well. Um, unfortunately, you guys lost to that, but that's not really the interesting part, part to me. I wanted to talk about the process of going to the fifth round and making this gauntlet run. So, for my first question, and there will be a few about this, is what did you guys as, as a staff sort of implement to this feeling roster to turn this all around? Because this is something that is um, incredible, right? You, this is something that you see, you always hear about Cloud9 doing when they had a turbulent split and they managed to get to this huge gauntlet run and then ended up in world sort of thing, which isn't too far from what you guys were experiencing. So, um, turning this around and implementing, what were some of the big things that you guys did as a unit to put into place here? Um, right. I mean, we just kind of started from the start. 
Um, I think the biggest thing that we did, and the one thing that I that I did manage to do in existence was that I managed to make scrims realistic. Um, because it's something that I've had an issue with mm. everywhere I've been, and most players I talk to, most coach- coaches I talk to, like a lot of teams have these issues. Like they'll be like, and I, you, if like I did the tweet from Existence as well that it was so hard to translate like scrim results into official game. Um, so that was like my main objective. It was to figure out a way where we could make re- scrims more realistic and more easily translatable into uh, official games. Mm. And it was stuff like just the communication had to be consistent every game. So basically things that you would never say in a in an official game, you, you don't say in script. So if there's something that you wouldn't say in an official game, like that, it always came down to, okay, in this scenario, whether I'm making a, a call or I'm communicating something or I'm tilting or sighing or I'm going to dive tier two to it here, you have to ask yourself the question, is this something I would do in a competitive play in any scenario? Yes or no? No? Okay. I will don't. I, I won't do it. Yes, I will be able to do it. And this does not like. Uh, this does. This isn't meant to like dissuade people from limit testing or, or trying things out in scripts because there there has to be room for that of, sure. as well, of course. But it has to be realistic scenario. So yeah, you can go for the one v three if you imagine yourself ever being in a one v three scenario in an official game, and you might likely be. Um. So I think that was the first step: creating a, a, a like a a room where scrims became more realistic both in communication and in gameplay Mm. this is a huge issue isn't it just in esports generally because uh, one thing that is so evident in esports is the practice for league of legends is so inefficient if you let's say in tennis I've, i've used this example many times if you're trying to train a forehand in tennis you will do what's called basket feeding where you literally drop feed tennis balls and hit a forehand over and over and over and over and over again in League of Legends, there's no way of doing that. So making any sort of efficiency gains in practice by making sure that the communication is better seems like a huge step. And that, that must have improved the, the players massively, right? Especially getting them ready to play competitively. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we had three rookies coming into this mm. split as well. I mean, Soft had one split. Mm-hmm. And then we obviously had two heavy veterans in, in form of, uh, of Achu and Wisdom. Yeah. And, and the one thing that I noticed when I came into this team was that not only did we lack an identity as a team, but the players individually lacked an identity as well. Because it got to a point where Achu and Wisdom knew so much and were dependent on so much in the in the target calling, shot calling, mm-hmm. in early, mid and late game, that Chimera, Sof, and at the time Sizzle, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, had had not developed individually. Like they have not grown as competitive players themselves because they have just gotten used to Achu calling how they should wave management, Wisdom sure. calling, calling how they should play side lane. So it, it was like it, it was really it was really um I, I had it a bit in MM as well where Monk had like a lot of experience and chips didn't have any. So instead of chips, you know, going into side lane, fucking up and us reviewing that mm-hmm. and uh, making sure that you know, we, we touched on the things that did not go well. It could be wave management, respecting enemy movement, putting down vision. Instead of us going through those steps, it was basically just Monk guiding him, you know, or Achu guiding Chimera in exactly how to do. So it didn't become like a learning progress uh, process. It just became like, do what I say and it will go well. Yeah. Uh, and so the players were very dependent on Achu and Wisdom. Um, and... And they were, like, obviously, my players were fed up, like, my, my rookies were fed up at not improving individually, and Nacho and Wisdom were, were fed up having course, to, yeah. to read so much extra information. Sure. Um, 
So that was the second thing, creating initially creating uh, individual identities. Um, so we did that through communication, through uh, like allowing a system of fuck up. So basically, I asked the players to make self-conscious decisions in mid-game. If you want to go side lane, you can go side lane. And then whatever you fuck up, whatever you do good, we'll touch upon it and we'll improve on it. Uh, and then, like I do on all my teams, I do short-term goals, long-term goals. And in the short-term goals, we just kept track of, in particular, each player's identity in the mid-game. And, and and the progress of uh, of learning to yeah be a player for for themselves rather than being like the puppet of Archer and Wisdom. Mm. It's really interesting, really really interesting stuff because team identity as well. And one thing that I was going to say about making scrims realistic is we we don't we don't really see that very often at all. E- even in LEC and LCS, the most documented stuff is like Hundred Thieves, for example, who have their practice rumors. It kind of mirrors the the L- LCS stage for them. And the same with CLG, they supposedly. Uh, pump sound of crowds into into the room in which they're practicing but as I say uh, we haven't seen or I haven't heard of something like this where you really tunnel on the communication so that was a really interesting point but back to back to what you were saying there is, is team identity is something that lacks so much and especially when it comes to uh, what a lot of teams will try and do is mirror styles right so they'll look yeah. to just play like SKT did in 2016 or they'll look to play like G2 do now so when you say uh, team identity, was there something specific in terms of um, we're going to be this uh, very uh, impactful, high impact team that's going to go looking for plays all the time, brawling, or or was it just a, a bit more in terms of internal what the actual five human beings coexist as? Um, I mean, I think for me it was just a pro- process of learning the players individually and then finding out what their strengths and weaknesses were after like after the initial phase of like getting them an identity um and what became obvious really like really really fast was that soft is a like highly mechanical jungler who likes to go fast Mm. uh same for wisdom so creating like creating that duo of just allowing those two to play together was really really free because we had i think the one thing that we had that no other team have maybe maybe yana can do it to like less extent than Mm actual But what Achu can do consistently better than any ADC I've ever played with is he will go even in any 1v2 lane. Um, so knowing that, just freeing up Wisdom and allowing us to play like oh. heavily skirmishes early game and allowing Soft to play like the aggressive playstyle uh, made made our our team ide- identity really easy to 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 nail down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I, I guess, it's similar to. Uh, to the fanatic playstyle uh, a bit, but even more so like um, like what what Exile does, uh, especially in the game yesterday when they were yeah. just perma diving bot lane or perma invading, perma invading jungle. I mean, if you saw the uh, I, watching Exile yesterday with Texom Olaf was almost like watching my own team play. Um, <laughs> it was it was really insane because that's the thing that has been going on in UK. Even when I watched that with Eminem, like Diabolus finished really highly because no team were able to play early game. Fast pace, like Diabolus, no matter of the meta last last split, just played late game scaling all the time. Mm. There's no people could like pull the trigger, go fast in early and mid game, uh, and it's been the same for most of the split outside of uh, of of XL. So I think that's just kind of what we nailed down, like both something that like an identity that would fit with our play- players individually, but also something that's good for the league. Because I mean, if if our team identity was 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 bad. Uh, in like into whatever anyone else is playing like having identity having that specific identity might not be the best mm-hmm. so 
it, it was good for us that that any team in UKLC play really slow because it meant that our fast play yeah. fast paced playstyle was really punishing for them. Mm, really interesting because you know obviously one thing was you joined Phelan. You didn't join at the start of the split, so you spent time in Spain and then joined as uh, as you came back to the UK later on in the split. So when you first started at Phelan. Um, what was it that you were looking at? Now, I don't want this to come across as feeling were awful and then Pad came and it was all resolved because I don't want to put down any work that the likes of Connor and, and everyone else at Phelan was doing prior to that. Um, but what were you looking at? You said that the team might have been lost a little bit identity-wise. Was it motivation? Was it a game understanding? Um, you may have answered little bits of this with the yeah. scrims and, and the team identity, but was there anything else that you really looked at and was like, this is exactly what the issue is here? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the issues, and that's not to take anything away from, like, uh, to be rude to, to CIS or anything, but yeah. one of the biggest issues on this team was that they were not on the same page in terms of uh, ambitions. Mm. We had four players who wanted to go full-time, who wants to play Pro League of Legends, who wants to go LEC one day, and then we had we had one guy who, like, he worked a job, he didn't have the time, his ambitions were not as high, sure. and it created, like, a, it created, like, the atmosphere when I came into the team was, was kind of kind of off uh, and and when you have four guys who really want something and one guy who wants it less it, it's only natural sure um so pulling in battery was the first solution like that was the first step towards fixing fixing a a, a kind of broken team mm. um, because then you had five players with the same ambitions the same goals the same drive and it made it so much easier and and like you say, it wasn't just that I came in and and all of a sudden I I'm super fake coach. Or <laughs> it's just that, I mean, I, I I learned a lot from existence, and I I learned a lot from my mistakes in existence, and I, I was I was able and willing to apply this to Philan because this team had a lot of like a lot of potential. Like if you look at the players individually, mm -hmm. they they are not bad. They are really good. You can see, like, Kimura, the more confidence he got, like, yeah. the, the more we played, the furthering the gauntlet he got. Like, he literally, I think he's for sure UK Fager right now. <laughs> and then you have Acho and Wisdom, who are not just great shot callers, but also amazing individual players. So the team was not bad when I joined, but mm -hmm. they definitely lacked a team identity, and they were not on the same page as a five-man unit as to how, like, how to approach scrims, how to approach official games, how to approach life even because yeah. like it's it's natural when you have one guy who wants something completely else than, than the full rest mm. which is really interesting because you, you touched on something that i think is super important for gauntlet runs and just generally for for any type of performance whether it's uh football or cricket or rugby or league of legends is confidence and you said that as camara sort of progressed through the gauntlet he became better and better and it ended up with his uk faker mantle um but from a like a belief or motivational standpoint how did you yeah. guys achieve this like incredible sense of self-belief? All of the players thought that they could do it. You guys thought that you could do it, from what I could see on the outside anyway. Uh, was this something that was built up after game? Did scrims help with this, with you making the scrims a bit more realistic? What was this? How, where did it come from? Because it felt like there was this like snap, and all of a sudden there was this belief and confidence about this feeling team. And you could see it with the way the, yeah. you guys were playing as well. Yeah, I mean, I have one saying. I said it on the Barrage podcast again. Mm. It's not... 
it's, it's not child friendly, but it's basically just that these players wanted to play fast, right? They wanted to play hard. They wanted to use TP, like TP offensively. They wanted to use, like we used a lot of Pantheon, like a lot of semi-global, yeah. use the Shen support. So we want to press the go button when the go button is available. Mm -hmm. And that was something that even before I got to, to Finland, they were able to do in scrims. Like they were okay. able to press the go button, but translating that into official games was so hard for them. So we just had a mantra, right? The mantra would be every scrim, every official game. The last words that I would say when I put them into official games would be, all right, guys, sip your pants down and take your cocks out. It's now. <laughs> That's because I, I, I think that, that mantra, I, I, obviously, it's not, it's not very nice. No, I but mean, I mean, yeah, I see but, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But I think it just became a mantra that we were able to say in like that was something that we we could consistently say in scrim games, yeah. and and something that we could say in official games, and it and they actually made my players able to take their cocks out and play fast, play hard. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that a lot. I think because it... go on, sorry. Sorry, I, I just think that it's a general thing for teams. It was the same when I was in Eminem. It's like people, because there's more at risk when you play official games, you're more afraid to fuck up. Mm. But the, like it's it's so generic, right? Because the chances that you don't take, especially when you're a fast-paced team, when you are playing like around ultis, the chances that you don't take are definitely the chances that you miss. Mm. So I think that just became our philosophy. We, we're going to take all the shots mm -hmm. and we are going to miss some, but we are never not going to take a shot and then lose out of because of that. Mm. And I like that as well with the with the mantra that you were saying there. Probably also does wonders for lightning moods and things like that. You know, when you come <laughs> in, that sort of mentality of I'm I'm like this is a serious thing that I'm saying, but also there's a sort of you know the way of saying it is a bit more jovial, a bit more jokey. I think that probably lightens mood as well, makes players feel a bit more comfortable. Like we can just fuck about, we can joke about now, and it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. The, so. <laughs> Moral of the story, if you want confidence, do what Pad said, unzip your pants and get your cock out. I guess that works, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the interesting thing for me um, was watching that translate to the play. You know, watching this unbelievable sense of confidence come out to the point where you guys were just taking all of these shots. You know, the classic Michael Jordan, or well, I can't remember who it was, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, whoever said it. You yeah. miss the, all of the three-pointers that you don't take or miss all the shots that you don't take. Um, yeah. Definitely, you could see it reigning true with the with the way that you guys were playing, and it's interesting for me because seeing you, we we as spectators don't hear and see necessarily these things that you're saying. So to see that and then be able to go, okay, I hear what Pad's saying, and I can see it translate to the play is really really interesting as well. So I'm glad that you can share things like that in in a format, whichever format is best for you, obviously. Um, yeah. But obviously, as I said previously, you were on existence and then came to Feelin. Uh, so was it? I wouldn't say halfway through the split. Probably three quarters of the way through the split. Maybe even later than that. I don't yeah. remember exactly when it was. But um, what made you take on the role at Phelan? Because, for a coach's standpoint, this could have been seen as a bit of a poison chalice, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. You're coming into a team that, uh, on paper, isn't as. Um, this is the difficult thing because I don't want to put anyone down, of course, because it, it's not yeah. fair to do so. So I will relate it back to the tier list again. From what people were saying and what analysts were saying, what um, Reddit analysts or Twitter analysts, whatever you think, um, what people were saying was this could have been a, a situation where you're coming into a team that might end up in last place. Um, yeah. So what made you take on this role? Because that was a, was a ballsy, confident thing to do, you know, to take this. Yeah, I mean, I think after existence, I, I I got a lot of like really comforting messages and all of that. Mm. But the one thing that was really odd, I've never been fired in my life. This mm. was the first time that I've been benched or fired from anything. Mm -hmm. 
And and usually a lot of people talk about like having a dip in confidence or whatever when that happens. But for me, that was that was never the case because the work that I did in existence, I mean, it was really clear to see the development of the players that were actively looking to to improve. Like the, the players with hunger in existence definitely improved that like within the time that I was there. And the tools that I used were 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 good. And the tools that were not good, I I learned from and adapted from. So like taking my leave from from existence um, was like it was kind of bittersweet because there there was like there was need for change. I disagree that that was the first change, mm. but there was need for change. So like me being that change, I could accept that if it if it helped the team, you know. Sure. Um, but but the, but the things that I had done while I was down there, like my working schedule, my my especially development of Coldo down there, uh, I was very happy with that. So leaving existence, I was just hungry. I was really hungry to prove myself because I knew that uh, the results that 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 we show uh, that we showed in, in in LVP was not the like was not the a direct translation of my coaching skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like you say, yeah, feeling was rated low by a lot of people, but just not by me. I mean, sure. I know Archer and Viston, and I know that, I mean, they, they are they are up there with, like, for, in my, at least in my opinion, they can they can easily, on a 2v2 scenario, go toe-to-toe with anyone, like also the academy teams. I think that the only one who is contesting Chimera in the mid lane outside of the of Maggie Felix and, and, uh, and Exile is perhaps Chips, but Chips mm-hmm. has the same issue as he had been with me. Bad side lane management. That's something that Kimura was really good to work at, really fast. Uh, in top lane, battery same. Like only only Angel is probably the only one who can contest him straight up. So I I I believe that individually, we were better than any of the teams uh, outside of the academy teams. And even against like even against Eminem, like their best players only matched even with ours. And then Archer and Wisdom, like you know, were uh, significantly better than Shogun and Yusa. Um, so, so for me, it was not really uh, a risk. I came into a team with with no ego, two veterans, three rookies, where I where I for the first time like ever was allowed to do exactly what I wanted. Mm. I was able to plan the short term goals exactly how I wanted. I was able to run scrims how I wanted. I was able to draft all the all the maniac things that you know yeah. people usually shake their heads at. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. I was just allowed freedom. I was I was allowed to 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 like get proper confidence. Like I, I just knew that my players had confidence in me, and that confidence uh, just makes me work so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was a huge part. Like the trust, the trust was 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 a big part that wasn't feeling that that wasn't there in, in existence. Mm-hmm. Not to say that in existence it was the players' fault. I I should have done it. Th- Things differently to 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 create that trust or or to create like a, a better authority in in a team with like big players like Flaxis with a lot of experience, Sanchez, all of these players with a lot of experience and 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 some ego. And that has been like my weak point uh, so far is being able to handle players with ego. But working with Flaxis has changed that for me because beforehand I saw. Players with ego or, or like or like high thoughts of themselves as something negative. Whereas, uh, I mean, I just need I just needed a different approach to those kind of players, and that's one of the the best things that I take away from my time with Existence. Yeah, really interesting. So when when you were looking at Feelin' and when you were, I, I presume there wasn't just one offer when uh, uh, when you left Existence, but when you were looking at Feelin' uh, and you were looking at this offer to come and help out at Feelin'. 
you were looking at the team and you believed that this team could go far they could get through the gauntlet it wasn't a I don't know I guess it's fine we'll see what happens your belief was there from sort of minute one then yeah I, I said the second that Wings uh, Wings and me talked and I, I think I joined for three regular split fight mm -hmm. games we won we, we lost two and won one so it was like of course like change takes time sure uh, but the entire time, like even when we lost, and you know, management were starting to be like feel a bit like, and, and the players, like everyone, were like, "Oh shit, we we, we need to start preparing for relegation." Uh, I was just saying, "Nope, we need to start preparing for playoffs." Mm. Um, I really believed in this team, like on an individual basis, but especially like the second that we that we sat down, we had a talk about team identity, and we started going ham in scrims, like playing consistently in scrims, like the same play style with like a, a wide variety of champions so even like it didn't matter if we were playing Olaf and going ham or we were playing Skarner or Elise like we had like a big champion pool to fit the team identity as well and it, I just had full I, I had full confidence the entire time amazing really really good because I think maybe that's one of the things that you haven't looked at personally and one thing to commend you on is maybe this self-belief this confidence that you said that the team have and we can see that the team had maybe that comes from the top you know, a lot of time trust and confidence has to be given rather than asked for, you know? You can't yeah. necessarily just walk into a scenario and be like, yep, trust me, let's go. You have to give people <laughs> trust first and then that yeah. will come back. And especially in a coaching environment, that's sort of a fundamental really, isn't it? So maybe that's something to sort of commend you on as well. Um, so well done for uh, achieving that at Phelan. Um, the, the sort of last question I have to do with Phelan is asking about any learnings, because you said that you learned an awful lot from existence and there was things in your play and, and as, a, as, a, as a coach that you can see needed to be changed and some mistakes that you made. Um, was there things that you learned that was specific to your time at Phelan? Were there any big takeaways from uh, the last sort of two months, three months at Phelan? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I had an interesting tryout recently where uh, where a player like uh, actually told me that, that that <laughs> scrims uh, are unrealistic, so uh, we shouldn't touch upon upon stuff like you know, for example, if if someone dies in a in a in a scrim, he says, uh, "Oh, it's over," or "Let's open," or "F15" mm. or stuff like that. Uh, and and he uh, he said that it was irrelevant to talk about that because he would never do it in a in an official game. And I think that's that's been my biggest thing in exist uh, no in in Finland because uh, there was something that wasn't Eminem and it wasn't that specific tryout and wasn't existence it was just that people were saying like literally stupid shit in scrims that made no sense like uh, I think the one thing like you said it's hard to like when you set the tennis example you can do one thing over and over and I think mm. that's the one thing you can do in scrim mm. the communication can be consistent the way you communicate every single game can be consistent. Mm -hmm. The second that you start with the inconsistent communication of FF or starting sighing or yeah. like your shot caller shuts down because he goes zero three. Like if, if you have a bad laning phase and that, that and that affects your, your your shot calling in a scrim, but it wouldn't in an official game. Like those things, those things for me, that is the biggest thing. And I think that's something that, that hopefully I'll be able to to take with me into my next team and and, and preach this because that was something where, where I could see very clearly, visually, I could see a development in our scrim games, in our team identity, in our official games, simply by having consistency in our communication, the way we talk to each other before game, after game, after a win, after a loss, how you handle a loss, like all of these things. Communication was, for me, in Thielen, one of the biggest keys to success. Yeah. Consistent. 
coach. Yeah, because con- consistency is something that, obviously with my background in traditional sports coaching, consistency is something that uh, in any sport that I've ever coached, uh, and massively so in tennis, is pretty much a key. And, and the reason it's a key is because once you do something consistently right in practice, it becomes second nature when it comes to comp- comp- competitive games or competition, right? So the, the perfect example, again, is like a forehand or a serve. Once you've consistently got the, the sort of motor functions of a serve down to a tee, it just happens. Now that's something that you don't need to spend X amount of hours concentrating on. You can now learn something else as well, and you add on to that, and it's these sort of building blocks of knowledge. And consistency is definitely something that I think is um, difficult to find in League of Legends. Very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that I said about uh, the, the sort of difference between training something in tennis and training something in League is let's say um, this week of scrims Phelan really want to practice their level ones because they're playing yeah. against Fnatic in the LEC uh, their LEC team who are renowned for having amazing level one or level two strategies depending on which one they go for um, to train that you do that once every what 30 minutes if you're going to have a scrim game let's say a scrim game's 30 minutes obviously you only get one chance at that you can't like ask the scrim to reset after you have your level one it, it doesn't really work like that so consistency clearly is something that's really really important and i'm glad to say or to hear that you've found consistency in in scrims because it's very difficult to find as i say um, yeah amazing and you mentioned there about taking on to hopefully your next team um and after finding out uh that ismail pedraza who's currently rogue's uh performance coach he got recommended to rogue after the podcast that we did together um, so I wanted to give you some time now to talk about the fact that you're exploring your options. Um, so talking about maybe an ideal scenario, what you're looking for, what you're wanting to achieve in this period of exploration. Yeah, I mean, for now, for the remainder of 2019, I'm doing a semester in my uh, as a teacher. Where uh, come come January, I am I will be a history and Danish teacher. So wow. for the remainder of 2019, uh, I'm really just looking for, for online gigs where I can make sure that I finish this. Uh, so I am that Danish and history teacher. And, mm-hmm. and after that, I can take leave for a year where I can like go all in on coaching again. Mm-hmm. Um, so going into 2020, like ideally for me, the one thing that's been really weird for me that I don't know any other coaches who's, have it, who's had it like this, is that somehow I managed to get picked up as a head coach for the best Danish team at that point, then as a head coach for MNN Gaining, and then as a head coach for Existence, and now back at Feeling again. So, oddly enough, I've never been an assistant coach. Hmm. Uh, and and all of the things that I have learned, all the tools that I have, of course, I get something from my from my teacher study, and but but most of it I get by failing. Uh, and I get by trying. Yeah. So, for example, existence M- and M and M, and and luckily I, I I have a good mental towards like dealing with with doing things poorly or or wrongly and learning from them. But I think that one thing, objectively speaking, even though that I think that I, I have become like a good head coach at least at least for this level of, of of play, is that I've I've never actually been able to be with a head coach who's had like experience being like having multiple roles. So I think looking for 2020, like the, the ideal scenario for me would would be to join like a, a top four team in Spain, a top two team Ultra Liga, top three uh, Germany LEC LCS as an uh, as an assistant coach mm. um, to to get that experience, like get get a a broader uh, a wider perspective on on coaching because I mean I I have learned so much already. 
but having like a sparing partner to to help me increase yeah. my knowledge of of coaching in in general uh would would be amazing because like it's it's hard to come by it's hard when you're always the head coach and your assistant coaches knows less than you not to take anything away sure. from them um but it has to become like a sparing thing and i don't think i i mean connor does it to an extent of course but i don't think i've ever had an assistant coach or, or been an assistant coach where i had like a proper coaching sparing partner mm. um so i think that that would definitely be the ideal situation for me of course i'm always willing to go into the head coach uh, head, head coach position but i think ideally for sure would be like a top national team uh, or uh, an, an uh, assistant coach on the nec team yeah i think that's nice as well because what most people would consider sort of a step back in terms of career progression but actually that step back is going to help or could potentially help significantly because of how much you can learn because you now have this sort of uh, rapport with a different person who is of equal knowledge potentially and I think that's something that more people should look at is right rather than keep trying to go forward 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 in terms of what my job title is let's go forward in terms of my learnings let's make me a better coach let's make me a better player better understanding of the game whatever that may be I think yeah. is, is really important so yeah, I agree. To, to go for that as well so yeah really interesting and, and you're quite happy to go to big ERLs is where you're you're interested in as well. So you said Germany, uh, Ultra League, which is Poland and Spain are the sort of big the top ones you're after. Yeah, I mean I could go I, France as well, mm. anywhere basically. Like you said, it's just basically me removing me from the path of like all of these walls that I have to climb o- over really slowly by self learning, mm. because and and then going like a different path that will progress like will help you progress me farther mm. uh, faster. And it's not like the thing is that even though I've been a head coach for so long, it's not like I have a big ego. I'm, I'm like the hugest present in the room all the time. Uh, I mean, when I was a player, I was a support player in the jungler. When I play now, I'm a support player in the jungler. Yeah. When I played, when I played football, I was a, you know, I was a okay, I was a left wing. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, the supportive role has always been good for me. Mm. I have, I, I'm a natural leader. But I'm also really good at just facilitating people who are who are good at what they do, and that's like that's basically what I love to do. I help, I watch these players, and I facilitate them to be the best version of themselves. Because I'm not good enough to be Faker, and yeah. I wasn't good enough to be Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. So I might as well help the players who are gifted enough to actually go go to that length. And yeah. I just like even more so than for my own sake, I just want to make sure that that all the all the talent in league that I can touch and that I can improve on uh, that I'm able to help them I really want to I really want to make sure that everyone who has potential goes as fast as they can amazing very commendable very very nice and I think when I saw your uh, looking for team tweet it did surprise me when I saw assistant coach it's good to hear a little bit of background as to why um, that is a role that you would be looking for as well um, and I think it's good to hear hear more about that and hear that sort of progression in terms of knowledge rather than progression in terms of job titles and career uh, aspirations like that because I think you can get very muddled in it very quickly in that sort of realm in that world can't you um, yeah amazing so that pretty much sums up all of the questions that I have now I don't know I can't remember if seven months ago this was a, a mainstay of the podcast that uh, at that point but one thing that uh, I always ask guests now is um, the same question and it's the last question is what is one thing that you can teach myself or the viewers from your world 
Now to give background to that, um, I don't know if we if I previously asked this. If I did, maybe we can figure something else out and we can find a new one. Um, no. But it was maybe uh, we had some book recommendations, some favorite quotes, some things about um, maybe open yourself up to doing a little bit of exercise or looking a bit more about um, you know how we improve our performance, not just through playing League of Legends with a mouse and a keyboard, but doing, you know, making good lifestyle choices. So we've had a bunch of different things, but it could be absolutely anything. So the floor is yours. What is one thing that you could teach myself or the viewers from your world? Um, I think back to existence, where, I, again, I had to make my own schedule. So we scrimmed in the, in, the, in, the, in the noon to evening, and then in the evening I did what reviews were called. And in between that, my only goal was to not be lazy, but be efficient. Mm. Uh, so... Every morning I woke up at seven and I went to the gym. I went for a run and went, I went for a swim, wow. came home, ate a healthy breakfast, went to scrim, got back home from scrim. Then I went back to gym and I did the muscle exercise. So like oh weights, then back home, uh, I did what review with Coldo. And after that, I did what review of, uh, of, of leaks. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, I've, I've never had like a more efficient schedule in my yeah. entire life and I'm maintaining it still now in Denmark with my study uh, I mean gym is everyone everyone loves to go gym anyone who goes gym will tell you the same thing and mm -hmm. I, I and I just agree like the, the amount of energy that I get from consistently going to the gym is so broken it's not just my body <laughs> it, it's my brain yeah, like sure. all of it um, and then whenever I go to sleep, and this has been the biggest thing for me, because usually I would always take two, three hours to fall asleep. But now I read books or I listen to audio books. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do it one, one and a half hour before I go to bed. I close the computer. I don't look at the screen. I don't think about what review. I don't think about uh, my job. Because when I do that, my, my thoughts will keep rumbling around my head. Yeah. So I'll disappear into a book and the book will, will leave me off to bed. Um, I, I've never been more healthy than I am right now, and I think the one thing that I talk I, that we didn't touch a lot on right now, but uh, it, the same goes for League of Legends. The, the the most best way to improve in life and in game for me, in my experience, in my opinion, is good habits. If you have good habits, everything will become like your learning curve will become so much better, uh, so much faster. Good habits for me is like obviously the exercise and, and reading books but also good habits in, in solo queue good habits in scrims good habits like in your love life it's yeah. it's really <laughs> crucial to have like a, a constant flow of development mm. so I, I use I, I use and I enforce a lot of habits um, and we track ha habits together on the team to make sure that that we are we are always trying to be the best versions of ourselves rather than you know being mediocre because you can be mediocre mm -hmm. Yeah, really interesting. And, and and what you're sort of touching on there is the, the vast world of performance coaching as well, is essentially how do we get the best out of the players that we have and make them perform to the highest standard um, by not necessarily just focusing on your mouse and your keyboard and the screen and things like that. So very commendable. Uh, that schedule's crazy. That's, that's a lot of work in there, dude. So you must be, by the end of the day, your head must hit the pillow and you must go straight to sleep with that. Yeah, I only get to listen 20 minutes of audiobook and I'm done. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, I think that's a really uh, a really apt piece of uh, advice and something that I've been spending a lot of time working on as well. So 
thank you very much for sharing that. But more, more to the point, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I really appreciate your time again. Um, it's been really, really interesting to hear about feeling and yourself and learning and all of these different topics that we've chatted about today because I think it's gone further than just like, look, Phelan did really well. There's been loads of little off offsets from that. So firstly, I'd like to thank you so much for your time um, and for coming onto the podcast because I think it's been a really interesting one. Yeah, really, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure being here. Great news. Um, but I want to roll out the red carpet and what is the best way that people want to, uh, if you want to plug yourself, people can contact you. Um, obviously, we've spoken a little bit about looking for some, some new... Uh, exploring sort of free agency and jobs and things like that so if there are anyone that want to get in contact with you what is the best way to do so yeah i think uh, my twitter is the best way to go i'm always checking twitter and uh, it's really easy communication through that way um, and i'm open to a lot of things so just you know give me your offer and i'll tell you more about myself show you like some of my uh, working pieces how i how i draft short-term plans how i draft drafts like mm -hmm. uh, yeah, anything that any any worksheets that you'd be looking for amazing well look thank you so much for your time again um, and for everyone who's been listening if you do want to get in contact with pad all of his uh, links will be in the description so his link to the twitter will be there as well so thank you so much for the podcast pad and thank you so much for everyone who's been watching i hope you've had a really good time listening to the episode as much as i have at least so thank you so much and i hope you guys have a wonderful day we'll catch you on the next one